Hello and welcome to For What It's Earth, your weekly climate, environment and sustainability podcast. You're getting really good at that. Thank you. We're season two now. I probably should have, should have got that down. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. I'm Lloyd. <laughs> I'm Emma. And today we are going to be talking about renewable energy. What is it? How does it work? And how do you make your home powered by renewables? Yes, all those Something things. Something like that. Uh, before we start, should we do the what one good thing have you done this week? Yes. What one good thing have you done this week? <laughs> um, I'm finding it quite hard to come up with a, a new good thing to do every single week. It's hard to keep up the momentum, isn't it? When, mm. um, especially if say you're already doing things that you've That's done in previous weeks again. That's the thing. So a lot of the things that we've kind of said before have, have become like just good habits. Mm. So this week, mine might be slightly tenuous, um, but I've mentioned before that we've re-insulated our loft. Um, nice. so, so this week we managed to give away all of our old loft insulation to somebody who was building their own new home and just wanted some cheap insulation. Um, so we got rid of it all for free on yeah, Gumtree. It occurred to me that you could reuse insulation on another house. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, otherwise it basically our old insulation was fiberglass um, and it was all really dusty because our, our loft had been really neglected when we bought the house. So we've redone it all with kind of a slightly more environmentally friendly and no longer fiberglassy um, insulation. And we were trying to look at ways to get rid of it, like what you have to do. And you have to like book it into the tip as biohazard waste. And it's it's all, yeah. or not biohazard, just hazardous waste. And it's all quite convoluted. And one of the things that we stumbled across when we were kind of Googling this was just give it away, put it on Gumtree, put it on free cycles. Actually, so many people, um, homeowners, landlords, or people just insulating, for example, like a, a barn loft or not necessarily their home, will just take that this free insulation. That does make sense. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah. So anyway, that's what we've done. We've um, given it off to somebody and who's... You've given the gift of warmth. Hopefully. To someone <laughs> hopefully. else. Or, or they're going to warm their car. Yeah, well, their car's, car's going to be full of fiberglass now, but <laughs> uh, their home will hopefully be slightly warmer. No, I, I mean, if they're like doing a garage or something, not like insul- not directly insulating the car itself. Oh, right. Yes, that That's makes much more sense. Yeah, yeah, took that on a total other tangent. What about you? Yeah, what moving on. Thing have you um, got? It's not really um, a thing I've done, um, but I think it deserves mention. My um, friend Gwen Hello, recently Gwen. gave me for Christmas. Um, uh, she knows me very well. A, a lovely bamboo... A cutlery set oh very and nice sets and also uh like a little oh, I, I don't know how to describe it, like a, net, a netting bag like a, a woolen netting bag for soap oh yeah um so obviously we've talked a lot about using soap bars and shampoo bars hmm. um but you can pop it in the bag and get a good lather oh no, so you it wash in the it bag. So, so it, it stays within the bag whilst you're washing yeah oh, you cool. don't take it in and out it, it's usually like oh i like that a bag, lot like, so it's like really a little good. exfoliatory yeah. sensory experience yeah exactly and oh, when nice. um gwen gave it to me she said there you go you can you do this as your uh one good thing on the podcast oh, I, was very like, well I will done, gwen. i promise <laughs> there you well go gwen done. it's funny a lot of my christmas kind of things this year were all sustainability themed as well we clearly branded ourselves well um, oh my parents got me um well one of the things was uh they donated to uh chris packham's tree planting oh awesome yeah Oh, very nice. That's a good, definitely so a good use of money. I got Greta Thunberg's list of speeches. Thunberg's. Tun- sorry. Oh, gosh. 
Greta Thunberg. She's never going to come on the podcast if you don't pronounce her name properly. Please come on the podcast, Greta. Please. We love you. Um, I, got, I got a list of her or a book of her speeches in my stocking. Oh, no way. So well done, Santa. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool. Oh, Christmas right. was ages ago as well. Why are we discussing this now? Anyway. It just... It, oh, oh, because... Um, Gwen and I were quite late in exchanging presents. Oh, okay. So it was very delayed. We'll um, let you off the hook. Yeah, there we are. Very nice. Um, so Back on topic. Back on topic. We're going to be talking renewables. So I think a good place to start is probably a little definition of renewable. So renewable energy is energy that's produced that doesn't deplete or that it can be replenished within a human's lifetime. Very nice. Very well read out. Makes sense. No, that was from memory. What are you talking about? Sorry. Very well defined. I may have a laptop sat in front of me, but that's just plain Tetris. <laughs> yes, that makes sense to me. Thank you very much, Lloyd. You're welcome. So in terms of the UK, um, we're going to mm. be covering our kind of key sources of renewable electricity or energy, uh, which are in general um, wind, solar, biomass. Um, and then we're also going to talk about nuclear. Now, nuclear isn't a renewable energy uh we better quickly just define that but it is often included in a lot of conversations around low carbon and no carbon ele- electricity is, yes. generation um so we're also going to be bringing that into the fold because it can help us meet uh you know our carbon because to- <laughs> it can help us meet our carbon targets yes uh we're saying that there's other things such as uh tidal and wave energy uh we're not going to be covering that so much just because time yeah we don't want to chew your ear off for an entire hour yeah, exactly uh so the renewable energy sector in the UK is increasing. Fantastic. Yes, it is. Uh, for example, we had 83 coal-free days last year. Very nice. UK. So we, had, we set a record in the UK in 2019. So more energy was produced by the renewable sector than it was by the fossil fuel sector. Brilliant. For 137 days, sorry. That's that's the record. I was going to say, for every for all of it? Wow. <laughs> no, for 137 okay. days. That, that's good. More energy that's was produced really by the renewable sector. Okay, very nice. I also read some fun facts about 2019. Go um, on. So in Q1, that's sorry, we're talking we're talking in quarters here. Because uh, oh, that generally business. seems to be how, yeah. How, um, Stocks, investments. <laughs> important adult things. Um, but that generally seems to be how, um, yeah, people and businesses measure the year um so in q1 the department for business energy and industrial strategy um said that the renewable share of electricity generation in the uk uh, rose to 35.8 percent in q1 and that is up five percent year on year bang lovely uh, which is due to increased capacity and also high wind speeds um and then in q3 so in the kind of autumn um the uk um renewables accounted for up to 40 percent um of our electricity mix, Amazing. which is the highest it's been. And that's when it overtook um, fossil fuels. That's so good. Which is nice, which is great. Happy with that. And that's due to quite a lot of new offshore wind farms being put into Yes, we do love our wind farms at the moment in the UK. So perhaps indeed we should start with talking about wind farms. Yeah, go on. All right, crack on. Well, you just said we love our wind farms in the UK. I, I mean, I do. You get a lot of people who... Um, say they're an eyesore and everything mm. when they're being built i really like them i think they're I really them. beautiful yeah they, they make me feel quite calm whenever i see them if i'm going yes. you know you know when you're driving through devon there's always one or two kind of it's like oh i'm driving through the future mm. yeah something like that yeah <laughs> but um so a lot of um uk opinion polls have surveyed like uh, the uk um and and they always record really high levels of people being on board with wind energy like always like 70 to 80 percent of people say yeah yeah well happy with wind energy but the problem is, uh, is a, a thing called NIMBY, NIMBY syndrome, not in my backyard syndrome. So although people are really for uh, the development of wind energy, 
they're not up for it being somewhere they can see it. Q, offshore wind energy. We're yes. an island with a spectacular potential for um, offshore wind. So that's kind of where the wind market... The wind market? The wind what market. Fant- <laughs> what a fantastic phrase. Buy um, your wind here. <laughs> that's, so that's the direction that it's moved in. So actually, uh, last year, two massive um, new offshore wind projects were kind of released. Not released. Uh, they, they had been under construction. They were finally... Completed. Switched on. They started contributing yes. to the grid. So, yeah, something like that. Switched so, <laughs> so we had um, Hornsey One, which is the world's largest offshore wind farm, which is off the coast of Yorkshire, and that started contributing to the grid in February. And also there was one called Beatrice, which was off the coast of Scotland. So these two schemes together actually doubled the capacity that the oh, UK amazing. has for wind energy. So that's been a really big reason why um, wind and renewables in general are starting to you know, increase our fuel mix. I mean, you were telling me um, earlier that, what was it, we've technically got the, around the world the capacity to meet the world's energy demands just through wind? Yeah, I read some. I read to. somewhere a study had had a look at basically like all of the coastlines in the world um, to assess them for their potential to have um, wind farms placed off them and said, if we actually um, built on each of these, we could very easily power the entire world. Amazing. Which is, you know, great in principle. But if you think about how many countries are landlocked, they'd then have to buy their energy from somewhere that wasn't landlocked. True. But then that's kind of but, what we do already through like gas pipelines, yeah. um, hydro, hydroelectric power. You're right. Etc. You're right. Um, offshore wind actually accounts for about 20% of our electricity mm. generation last year. But globally, offshore wind produces um, 0.3% of global um electricity it's really surprising which is super low so we're you know a it's pioneer very much in a european led thing at the moment isn't it mm-hmm. um i was reading that denmark uh who are currently the leaders in wind power uh, they produce 41 percent of their energy from wind power in 2018 wow presumably onshore the highest level in europe well they are planning to build artificial islands uh Ooh. surrounded by offshore turbines um, and the capacity there is going to supply 10 million households. That would be brilliant. It's amazing. Cre- I mean, creating artificial islands as well, I suppose, possibly could create underwater habitats for new... Yeah, so there's... I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish, isn't it, when you're talking about impact on wildlife? Yeah. Especially with uh, offshore turbines. Well, onshore, uh, onshore as well, because uh, there are definitely stories of bat deaths bird deaths oh, really yeah, yeah inland and then offshore you've got uh, potential problems with migrating animals fish stocks um seals as well for example migrating and it's, it's hard to know i don't think the science is necessarily comprehensive enough yet to fully understand mm. yeah it's a difficult one I, I think that's something we're going to talk about maybe in another episode or come yeah. back to later because it's such a big topic it is a big debate. topic that's, yeah yeah <laughs> So wind, just like uh, most of our kind of electricity generation techniques, uh, requires a turbine. Yeah, I think pretty much all uh, power generation, apart from solar, I can't think of any others, um, require uh, a turning of a turbine, yeah, generate electricity. So it's this sort of, you know, school science experiment of if you rotate a magnet within a coil of wire, you generate electricity. Um, Yeah, and that's what... But on a big, big scale. But on a bigger scale. 
So solar doesn't have um, a, a turbine element to it. Uh, instead, uh, how it works, if you if you go into your photo photovoltaic cell, nice. uh, as they're called, PVs, um, photons that come from the sun are little packages of en- energy. Um, they make up light and they knock electrons free from atoms. And they do this when they get into the photovoltaic cell, which is often made of something like silicon. Not always, but a lot of them are. Mm. And it always has a positive layer and a negative layer. And it also has two conductors on either side. So it's able to form a battery and a sol- uh, and a circuit. Physics is not my strong point, but hopefully... I'm, I'm with you, you so, far. Me so far. I, I'm engaged. So the photons will knock off the electrons and these electrons will then be whizzing around the circuit and help to create this electrical current. But the way that solar cells are, are set up is they create a direct current. And in our homes, we use an alternating current. So this direct current then has to go through an inducer or an inverter, sorry. Uh, and then the inverter will switch it to alternating current so that we can actually use it to power our homes and nice. our devices. Very nice. And you can get it in, um, well, with recent advances in solar technology, there are different types of panels you can buy, aren't there? I was reading somewhere there's like four different types of panels, like monocrystalline and polycrystalline, blah, blah. But it's to do with um, different thicknesses and then also the materials used within it. So I think they've got different cost to power generated ratios and stuff. All sorts of science. Have you seen those, uh, you can buy like solar tiles for your roof? Yeah, I quite like the look of those. I think... They look a bit more subtle. They look better. And I think that's probably where it's going in the future. Yeah. But I think at the moment the cost isn't... It's not as cost effective as just sticking a proper panel on your roof at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I guess it probably is a nice answer to the argument for a lot of people that say, I don't want the solar panels because they'll spoil the look of yeah. my roof, which is quite nice. But did you know you can buy solar panels in IKEA? No. Yeah, honestly, for a six um, panel setup from IKEA, um, it's about £3,500. Oh. Yeah, I haven't looked into how you actually set them up, but I assume you have to get a specialist round. <laughs> You can, DIY electronics you don't, you don't just plug them in um, but I just thought that was quite funny that's maybe quite a nice indicator of how uh, mainstream awesome. solar energy is going to be going and when I say to you you know solar power what do you reckon the biggest misconception or question that people have is um, probably will it always work like especially in well I live in Swansea which I mean it's beautiful in the summer but it's not known for its year-round Every time sun, I've visited you in Swansea, the weather has been shocking. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to one, say it's not always like that, but it... Apart yeah. from one, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, though. That's what a lot of people kind of say. Oh, you know, they don't work if they're cloudy. It doesn't work if it's mm. cold and if it's in the winter. And to that I say, do your reading. Um, they do yeah, work. <laughs> people. They do work. Obviously not as inefficient. Yeah, idiots. <laughs> sorry, I take that back. <laughs> I'm sorry, dear listeners. Um, they're obviously not as efficient as in direct sunlight, but that doesn't mean that they stop working. And it doesn't need to be hot. It just needs to be clear because they're powered by light, not heat. So a lot of people that say, mm. oh, in the winter, it's not going to work. Well, it, it is. It's You're literally just getting photons from the sun. It's all on sunlight. But one of the neat things about how it even works is that, um, so a lot of, there are two kind of setups that you can have. Like if you were going to put solar panels on your house, you can kind of decide to either have a battery storage facility in your house, which you can often hide in a garage um, or not. And if you have a battery storage, um, great. You generate all this electricity during the daytime when it's nice and light. Um, Generally, you're out of the house and your electricity consumption occurs greatest in the mornings and the evenings. So you've got it stored away from what you've used that day. Uh, And then in the evening when it's not generating any fresh electricity because it's dark, you've got your 
your day's worth in your battery, no problem, you can run your house. But if you don't have a battery, what often happens is you generate this electricity and then you're still plugged into the national grid. So um, you will export that to the national grid and it will know how much you've given to the grid. So then you are able to take that much out of the grid later when you actually need it in the evenings. That's almost like a credit system. But we were talking as well before, uh, way back when we were doing uh, electric cars, we were talking about those as battery stores as well. Yeah, that's super neat, actually. That was a fun thing I read when we were doing that episode. Um, The potential for using electric cars as a a storage um, facility. Uh, So one of the things, obviously, with um, wind and with um, solar is that the energy actually generated at any one given time is heavily reliant on environmental Mm. or weather conditions. So you get peaks and troughs that you can't predict really. Well, you can in the sense that you can see what the weather forecast is doing that week or that kind of month, but um, you can't control how much is generated unless you turn something off. So instead of it going to waste or one of the things that you could possibly do is store it in people's electric cars. Um, So if people have got their electric cars plugged in, you can store it in the electric cars and then pull it back out of the electric cars when needed which is quite neat i'm not sure if that actually really happens but it was definitely something that was talked about as a potential idea but yeah. something that did happen recently oh sorry i just cut you off i, I was just say um, similar to that I was, I was reading that one uh idea because we're talking about exporting electricity and things is that if you well, obviously the wider the area you're sharing your grid mm. and sending electricity back and forth you can account for those down periods can't you by mm. if you've got a particular area of the country or if you're in Europe, then you know, the continent, which has had a bit more sun, then you can even out across the whole board that way. Share it out. Share it out. Share yeah, the exactly. load. Exactly. And um, something that was quite cool was that recently um, we had a, like a really, really windy autumn. And there was a couple of days in particular where certain energy uh, suppliers messaged or made aware their customers that there was going to be a surplus of renewable electricity. And if they were to charge their electric cars, could they do it at this time during the day? And they'd be charged less per unit of electricity in order to do that. So then they wouldn't be charging it later when there would be less being supplied. So it was a really good way of managing how much was in the grid and how much was being used, but also of connecting people with how energy is made and used. So it's not just this thing that we're really disconnected from. We just plug things into a wall and we don't think about it. It's a really cool way of like engaging people in the whole process. It's a smart, smart system. It's so smart. I'm so in Mm. awe of it. It's really cool. We should go and visit the National Grid one day. We could do. Do you reckon do. they'd let us? Yeah. Yeah, let's tweet them. I've definitely seen people, you know, go and have a little little wander around the National Grid before. That would be fun. It, uh, I'm going to spoil it for you now. It's not a literal grid. Oh, it's damn like a it. control room. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm imagining clusters of pylons everywhere. Yeah, just like just deep arcing through the whole building. The buzzing around, yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> At the moment. So oh, no, no, no oh, what were you going to say? I was, I was going to hit you with some fun facts. Oh, yeah, go on. I love fun facts. Some fun solar facts. How many homes do you reckon? I'm going to turn it into a quiz, actually. How many homes do you reckon um, currently have solar panels on in the UK? One million. Half a million. Ah, okay. That's still still good. In which direction do you need a roof to face to be best for solar panel application? Uh, east. South. You need a south-facing roof. Oh, uh, okay. Well, do you remember, you know, when you buy a house and you look for south-facing gardens? Yeah, yeah. So that it gets the most sun during the day. Okay, yeah. I, I, I think I was assuming you'd, you know, bank on either a sunrise or a sunset as opposed to trying to get both. Try and catch. I, I, I don't know why I assume that. makes that. sense, though. I can see your logic behind that. So south facing. Good. Okay. And what do you reckon the lifespan is of a solar panel? <sighs> 10 years? 
25 to 30 years. Is it that long? They're really quite sturdy. Yeah. So the inducers, oh no, the, not the inducers, I called them that before. The inverters. So the inverters, they have a lifespan of about 10 years. So you can change those every now and again. Um, but the actual solar panels don't wear out very often. Um, their parts are quite sturdy. So Amazing. obviously you have to maybe make sure that they're clear of debris. But apart from that. I was at, uh, I'm getting deja vu. I don't know if I mentioned this before. But I was at uh, Kaust, uh, King Abdullah University um, in Saudi Arabia. And they have quite a big solar panel department or alternative energy department. And one of the things they have been developing is like this self-cleaning facility for Ooh. solar panels. Because in, uh, particularly in drier climates like Saudi Arabia and Australia or something, big thing is getting dust on mm. the panels, which you have to clear off, which can be really time-consuming and expensive. So they've developed like these... It sounds really obvious. I suppose it is. But it's uh, this like automatic wiper, which just sort of like spins almost like a car wash and just goes along and it sort of detects when it's time based on how much dust is collected. Very or cool. Measure the amount of dust. Yeah. Right. So we'll move on to... That's me dramatically turning the page. Oh, yeah. To signal that, that was we were so turning. dramatic. <laughs> Changing so topic. We'll, we'll switch back to turbine-based power. So I was going to jump onto biomass absolutely biomass is a funny one because it's described as renewable um and it is but it's also mistakenly perhaps described as clean so biomass is is the burning of biological waste organic matter isn't yeah it? Whether or, that's or the heating plant, plant up animal of it. waste i yeah. suppose isn't it yeah in order to generate uh, enough heat to turn these turbines yes so you can get some forms of biomass which perhaps aren't as green as maybe you like yeah the important thing depending here is the source what, of the biomass yeah it depends it? on what you burn but you but there are quite a few forms of biomass that are quite low carbon alternatives for example like wood chippings and wood shavings that sort of thing mm. which might release carbon themselves anyway yeah if they regardless were going to yeah so biomass is a really good uh, option for places like farms which might be producing a lot of biomass as waste. So if you look at like corn crop, mm. you actually only use the very top part of the crop. So there's a, a huge amount of organic matter that when you're stripping a field and when you're harvesting, yeah. you end up with loads. Or like animal slurry, um, for example, if you keep pigs or something, mm. um, you can heat the slurry in a contained environment and produce biogas. And then that gas can be burnt in order to generate electricity so oh. there's there's lots of options sorry just what, what was that thing we shared on social media the other day about um <gasps> it's like dog poo yeah this well this is exactly it um my, my aunt sent me this it was a story um about <laughs> dog poo powered lights yeah that so was it it was like street, it was street lights um i can't remember where it was in the uk but you could pick up these um free paper bags collect your dog poo and you put it in a dog poo bin and then you turn a handle and it pushes your animal waste into this container um where it basically lets it ferment under heat or kind of biodegrade and it releases all of this um, biogas. It's often methane. Uh, and then that gas was used to light the streetlight. So good. Which is really neat. So basically that, but on a bigger scale, Dog is really doable. lighting yeah. up your village. Yeah, it's really doable um, on farms or, someone that, or somewhere that would like to be, you know, independent yeah. in terms of energy generation. I, I hope they're really well insulated for smell. <laughs> yeah that's true that's true but um yeah so that that's that's an option um but yeah like you said um it's not all you can't really it, you know if you're growing fields of grass or whatever 
with the sole intention of cutting that down and feeding it into a biomass. That's not sustainable, no. No, that's not sustainable. And people will say, oh, it's carbon neutral because you're burning it, releasing the carbon, and then you're regrowing it to release it Mm. back. And it kind of isn't really... It's a bit dubious. Yeah. Yeah, we we, we would rather... Yeah, we, we, our team... Not have burn burning waste, if we can help it, yeah. If possible, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we'd rather not burn at all than burn waste. Yeah, that, that was quite obvious. I didn't really need to verbalise that, did I? Yeah. Moving on, let's talk about something else now. <laughs> this time, let's head back to nuclear, shall we? Yeah, like I said, nuclear is another turbine-based power generation. So, which, which I think a lot of people might not realise, actually, that's what how nuclear works. I think people may have a vision of nuclear being... Like a nuclear reaction Explosive. that just, like, I don't know, just magically harnesses the power of Sidebar, have science. you seen Chernobyl? No, I've heard it's very, very good. Oh my gosh, it's excellent. Um, not only is it, you know, really dramatic, beautifully shot. Incredibly haunting. Quite quite haunting. And it's a really interesting look on kind of like the human psyche and the history of that time, if you're interested in kind of Soviet era Cold War stuff. Um, but also, it's a really really good example of popular science communication because they actually very well describe how a nuclear reactor works and they don't oh, really? I mean, they obviously simplify it in terms of you know you don't need to be a nuclear physicist to understand it but they do sit down and in the process of one character describing to another how it actually works you do actually get some proper insight into how it works and how it went wrong oh, so, so some good communication in between yeah, the yeah. depressing it was it was Bleak. really good. Yeah, I was looking at it through my psychom lens. You see, oh, of course, yeah. But, um, no, it was it was really really good. Um, super award winning, and would heartily recommend. It is on my to watch list, along with many other things. Fab. But I'll inevitably just watch the same episodes of Friends over and over and over again because I can't be bothered to watch anything else. Ah, uh, at Chernobyl, uncultured on. swine. <laughs> that right? That's here. all right. It's Parks and Rec and The American Office for me. They're my two go to. Like Parks and Rec. We digress. Anyway, back to nuclear. N- nuclear. Um, is uh, nuclear, 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 nuclear. <laughs> As we said, that's my. Sorry, what were you doing? I was being a nuclear reaction. It was like a. Is that, is that the sound it makes? I assume it like might be pop, like popcorn a nice pop. kernels. Unlikely. Hmm. So nuclear energy turns a turbine. So it does this by. Are you ready for some science? I'm ready. I'm so ready for some science. Pow! You split uranium atoms. It's called fission. So you fire uh, neutrons at these uranium atoms. Uranium atoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in turn gets split apart and it releases more neutrons, which split up more atoms. It's like a bit of a cascade, a bit of a reaction. And this generates a lot of heat. So mm-hmm. this heat is then used to um, heat water, basically. Yep. And it heats the water up to 300 degrees. Oh, crumbs. Now, if you're a bit of a sciencey person, you might think, hang on, at 100 degrees, water evaporates. You're right. But in this case, they use some special sciencey stuff to keep it as liquid. So they keep it under very high pressure. Oh, gosh. It's like, I think it's 150 times the atmosphere, atmospheric pressure to keep it as liquid. Wow. Um, And they sort of circulate this water and they use that superheated water to heat other water. So then that secondary water so many waters so many waters whizzing around that secondary water will evaporate and that's what turns a turbine right okay which feeds into the grid gotcha kapow science um so <laughs> as we're saying nuclear is often lumped in with renewable energy but that's 
not really true it's not renewable no in the way we'd actually think you're about not it. getting the source back you know you exactly you've got use the and actually the waste is a big problem that's one of the main problems with nuclear waste mm. you don't know you've got this radioactive stuff you've got to put in a big concrete block mm. and i think in the uk at the moment we it's stored at what's billed as a temporary site oh dear but this is like 70 years after we started using nuclear because mm, they can't convince temporary. anyone to Take it. Take it permanently. Funny that. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, even though I suppose technically it's safe because it's in lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of concrete. Um, yes. But again, I think that's something we have to delve into. Um, so I won't comment too much on that. But yeah, waste is a big problem. And but the reason it's slumped in with renewable quite often is because it's low carbon, actually. And it is... Um, yeah, because you're not burning fossil fuels, you're actually, yeah, you're not producing yeah. carbon because we're not burning anything. And actually, apparently the overall emissions um, are quite similar to wind and solar power oh, really? when you consider like the lifetime building and everything. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's still much lower than coal. But yeah, it's a case of what to do with the waste and also um, the fact that it's very expensive, actually, especially when wind and solar and hydro as well are coming down in price and battery storage is coming yeah, down very, in price. Yeah, very, very quickly. You're just like, well, can we really justify this as much anymore? But uh, in the UK, we sort of had a 30-30-30 policy. The idea was that a third of our energy should come from nuclear, a third from like wind, a third from solar, that sort of thing. Yeah. But at the moment, we're going to struggle to keep that up because a lot of nuclear power plants are closing and we're mm. not opening any new ones at the moment because the ones we are building have either not come to fruition or they're behind schedule or over budget, etc. Yeah, there's one at Hinkley Point, which is um, Hinkley Point C, isn't it's it? It's ages, way yeah. over budget and it's way over time. Um, and yeah, as you said, a lot of our current nuclear reactors are reaching their kind of natural decommissioning stage. Um, so, you know, they've reached their kind of 35 year lifespan where they're then yep. due all of their checkups. And, um, you know, there's so they're having their checkups and they're being deemed fit for service for like another five years or so, which is great. But also you don't want to keep pushing old reactors and old technology past Precisely. its possible natural life cycle simply because we're struggling for... Um, for other renewable options yeah um it's worth saying that what nuclear power is good for is providing like baseline energy mm, um, and like this steady reliable good old nuclear power yes keeping us going um chugging along in the background but even that um is maybe becoming slightly less prominent a reason to keep nuclear around as as we're talking about earlier battery technology with solar and wind mm. can store it for longer anyway mm um and we're getting better prepared with that but i think a lot of experts still say that at the moment if we want to meet our carbon emission targets we do still need to keep nuclear around for yeah, a while, still needs a while to be a longer, part of that mix um, unless we dramatically improve other sources of renewable mm. it's you know it's just that um nuclear obviously has quite bad pr it right. does. I mean, rightly yeah. so. Rightly so. In the sense that, yeah, yeah, there have been some some major um, nuclear. I mean, they're very rare, but when they do happen, yeah. they do cause some serious, serious damage that's long yeah, lasting. Um, and and it's, it's quite hard to get that out of people's minds, isn't it, when they hear nuclear as well? Yeah, especially when you've just watched the new six part HBO special on Chernobyl. Yes, <laughs> that's actually really harrowing. Keeping you awake at night. Yeah. Yep. No, definitely some very graphic imagery in there. Um, we watched it and then googled immediately how close we were to Hinkley Point, and it's closer than I would like Pretty it to be. Close, actually. <laughs> but um, you know, we've we've never not had any issues in the UK, have we? All right. So we've talked a lot about um, all this renewable energy, different types. So let's crack on to what people can do on a personal level yes step one put solar panels on your roof yeah not always feasible <laughs> um i'll post a, a which article about what to look for when 
weighing up different solar options because there are different types of solar panels yep. like thin and thicker and films and all sorts mm. and i think what you want to look at is a pound per wattage you're getting or something like that mm. um you can also if you have lots of land pop a, a wind turbine you can get smaller um versions than the one you see um yeah if, if any of our listeners are if you wealthy landowners a, a field yeah this is the thing so these are the two options which you know in theory would be great you'd be supplying yeah. your own home lovely jubbly Slash you know local community or local indeed indeed a, a single turbine can power an entire community which is which is great um actually that was one of the things that when we were talking about um people's resistance to local turbines um that was reduced significantly when you explained perhaps that only one turbine near them could power their entire village as opposed to you know setting up an entire field of turbines that would be powering the country and they're not really seeing the impact of yeah that's that's that's, that's a really good point people generally a lot more understanding when you take the time and don't treat them like idiots and yeah absolutely just realize that they've got concerns and fair enough and you just sit down and explain with them like a nice happy family but uh more immediately what people can do actually uh is change your energy supplier there are quite a few energy suppliers in the uk which um are introducing green tariffs and zero carbon tariffs Mm -hmm. now an important thing to say is that when you turn your kettle on turn your laptop on whatever all the electricity come from the grid and the grid is all mixed in with all sorts of sources so that you're not if you buy from a green energy supplier you're not piping it directly from a wind turbine or anything no. yeah but the point is you're paying the company that's producing that particular type of energy directly mm. yeah you get exactly the same energy as your next door neighbor regardless yes. of whether you have signed up to a green tariff um, yeah, precisely. But yeah like you said so there are different ways that green energy suppliers um, provide green tariffs so there are obviously the, the big major players the top 10 um, companies for energy generation often who whose kind of feet are firmly planted in the fossil fuel network but offer a green tariff because they well, know it's cool and trendy. To diversify now yes yeah so you could you know switch to a green tariff from them um, i would argue that if you're going to switch your provider just do it properly and go to one which uh, provides all of their energy yeah. from renewable sources. Um, because not only are these companies often smaller players, and it would be great to support them as opposed to possibly some of the bigger conglomerates like Shell and BP, um, they're often not always any more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's great to support that technology as it grows, I think. Yeah. So I think an important point now is to say that um, I was surprised about this. I didn't realise this. Sometimes suppliers that build themselves as green and 100% renewable energy etc don't necessarily actually produce energy themselves or buy the energy direct from renewable suppliers Mm. there's a bit of a questionable perhaps practice in the industry of buying certificates that are issued to people that do produce the energy but then they can sell on these certificates to other companies yes so it's a bit of a complicated system because I suppose that energy is still being produced and those people are still getting paid for producing the clean energy. Yeah, it's it's still not the worst thing, but I, I, I do know what you mean. So if we take, for example, Octopus, these are who I've switched yeah. to. Um, They've so, got really good customer service Yeah, they, they and I have to, I'll second that with personal experience. Mm. They've been an absolute pleasure to switch to. But um, they, you know, say we generate all of our energy, all of our electricity completely renewably, but actually they don't generate it themselves. Yep. They don't have an octopus branded wind farm. They work with smaller and local partners and other companies and their parent company who have wind farms themselves. 
So then, for example, if you were a farmer and you were trying to move away from agriculture and you turned one of your fields into a nice solar farm, mm. you could then benefit by selling that to Octopus, who would then sort of sell it to the grid when I pay them for my energy. Yes. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. It does. Um, actually, talking about Octopus, they've recently bought out Co-op Energy. Mm. And Co-op Energy, I found, of um, a really interesting there, offering the first uh, tariff in the UK, which exclusively exclusively comes from community renewable energy product, uh, projects. I love this. So, like, small-scale wind mm. farms and um, turbines, etc. Um, I think it's only... I've got here, it's only £5 more a month than the regular Co-op's tariff. Oh, really? Yeah. And in that price is included carbon offset and... Yeah, so this actually carbon offset, that's really interesting um, because obviously most of the time you buy your gas and electric through the same company, or at least mm. I do, I've always done that. Um, so we've obviously been talking about electricity generation a lot here. Um, but if you are also buying your gas, you don't, it's never going to be biogas. It's always going to be natural gas. It's so hard to mm. find, like very few tariffs actually give you biogas. So a lot of what these green energy companies will do is carbon offset the gas that they're providing you. Yeah. So at the very least, you're still going to get the same gas as everyone, but you know that a little bit more has been done to make that whole process slightly greener, even though it's not, you know, totally perfect. Yeah, this is true. So, uh, you know, you referenced a witch article there as well. There's another one which we can throw up as well, yeah. which looks at all of the, or most of the large energy it's supplies a really good one, yeah. green it, tariffs. It, it compares them all and sort of says where their energy is coming from. It's mm. sort of, yeah. Which is great. But the two that came out on top, so the two that actually do generate their own renewable electricity is ecotricity and good energy. Yes. Um, but I have to admit, the um, when I switched tariffs, obviously price was also a factor for me, although I had a look at, you know, where the energy was coming from. Um, Octopus were actually pretty much the same amount as my current supplier or former supplier, but they also have. Um, we're not we're not sponsored by Octopus, by the way. I've just genuinely really yeah we had clarify, a good yeah. time with them. But they they also do um, like a, they do their normal green tariff and then they have like a super green tariff, which is as they brand it, um, the price of a latte extra a month will offset your gas. Well done, so, Octopus PR and marketing, which I quite well like. Done. That so for like three quid a month or two quid a month, yeah. um, they'll definitely offset true. my gas. It's true. I mean, I, I was but, reading yeah, that. Have a read, um, see what's right for you. Yeah, I was reading that uh, ecotricity and good energy you just mentioned mm. are exempt from off-gem price caps. So oh, off-gem really? will like put prices on how much companies can charge people for electricity. But they made certain allowances to certain companies to go above that cap because they appreciate that some a lot of the profits will go back into the community projects and renewable energies. So, for example, ecotricity uh, uses the bills to finance building. Uh, of new sorts of, of renewable energy and good energy set up uh, contracts with small generators as well so they're allowed to charge slightly more oh great i've got a friend that lives in stroud actually and ecotricity are up near stroud and he said basically they just are growing and growing and they're employing like half of the local area they're becoming like oh, wow. a really big local source i didn't realize they were that big i hadn't really heard of them that much before no me neither but you know so we go. We'll post those links on our social media, so you mm. can have a little look yourselves. And it's, I, I think, it's well worth. It's so easy about to do. Yeah. As soon as, so we had to wait until our twelve-month current contract was up, because um, otherwise we were going to be fined for leaving early or something. Um, so as soon as that was done, you just go on like U Switch and browse through their green energy suppliers. Um, and then once you've picked the supplier for you, perhaps do the research not on U Switch um, or listen to the things that we've said today. Um, but then once you know which one you want to do, U Switch makes it so so easy just to switch. The yeah. Or just do it directly with the um 
with the with the energy company and it's one thing that you do it once and you don't have to think about it again and then your one of your kind of bills is just constantly being better than it was it's constantly ticking over and and the more people switch over to these suppliers the more other companies will have to adapt mm. and change their um sources of electricity and energy yeah to to compete again yeah absolutely perfect brilliant so we go we'll post all the information on our social medias yeah. uh, i think that's all for us for this week uh i hope you found it electrifying oh and energizing oh i can't think of any more puns no me neither but write in your best puns plenty. everyone write in your best puns. yeah please please do let us know anyway um don't forget to subscribe so that you can get us downloaded every week without having to remember that yeah, Wednesdays on. is podcast we're day. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Acast, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on... We're even on YouTube, if you fancy we're that. We're on flipping YouTube, we've, everyone. We've gone everywhere we possibly can. <laughs> little tendrils, so, little so green not... tendrils spreading out <laughs> into the internet. What an image. So we're not, we're not hard to find. Um, and wherever you do listen... Please give us a review. Leave us a five-star review, of course. Don't, yes. don't give us a, If you haven't enjoyed it, don't leave us a review. Simple as. But if you have enjoyed it, please leave us a review. It really helps uh, new <laughs> listeners find it. And also, we just really like reading Yeah, them. it helps push us back up in the charts and helps other people find us. Support independent podcasters. Spreads the messages, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Spreads the good word of green stuff. Beautiful. Anyway, and so, don't forget to catch us on Instagram. Yes, that's at For What It's Earth Podcast. Yep, and Facebook. For What It's Earth Podcast. And Twitter. What Earth Pod. And you can drop us a cheeky little email. For What It's Earth Podcast at gmail. For What It's Earth Pod at gmail.com. <sighs> oh, so close, Lloyd, so close. But well done, well done. Anyway, that's it from us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Cheerio. Mm-hmm.